The MomCast is brought to you by Mid-Ohio Pediatrics. Once upon a child, an advanced aesthetic and laser surgery. Mom! Mama! Mommy! It's the MomCast with your hosts, Mindy Dreher, Michaela Hunt, and Stacy McKay. Mom, I need you! Thank you so much for joining us again, Stacy, along with Mindy and Michaela. Here we are in October, ladies, and of course... I think we women, especially when we think about October, not only all the fall and the fun and the weather changing, but at least in Ohio, (laughs) Uh, but we also know it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I'm not sure all of us are old enough to have a mammogram yet. We look at Michaela yeah, you right look away. At Michaela. You know, when I was 35, I had a baseline. Oh, did you? So okay. my doctor sent me at that point, and it was, it was odd because, of course, that was the first time there. So yeah, I've had one. Okay. Okay. So, Mindy, you of course have had a mammogram. What right? do you guys think? I'm going to go with yes because you know how I am. Right. Mindy, did you have yours on air? I did. I, I was had, trying to remember. I did too. I, I, did. I, I did too. But I'm on radio. But you're on I didn't radio. Have to, yeah. No, yeah. I did mine on the air. I was a TV reporter at the time when I had my very first mammogram at probably 45 years old. So okay. I was late to the party because I'm just that way. I'm not the best patient. I'm not the best. Oh, you know, see, and that's the biggest thing, because I did mine at 40, my first one, no family history or anything, but we did it on the air, too, because and and I wanted to do that and probably you, too, because women get nervous about it. And I don't know, having done it now many times (laughs) that I I I think it may be unjustified. I think it's more about what the results might be, because I kept hearing, oh, it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. Let me just tell you, I have very little there, okay? So for me, it really is, you know, struggling to get it in there. It's a compact kind yes, of thing. And right. and to smoosh it, it down, <laughs> ow, but uh-huh. it's not It's not crazy hurt. I mean, do you think? Because a lot of it now... So I'm on the other end of the spectrum, <laughs> Stacey. I'm right in the middle. Say that, but, you know, yes. I'll say it. Um, it was... It didn't hurt. It was just uncomfortable. I mean, it it felt like, you know, you know what happens. You remember a toddler like crawling on top of you and having no idea. Like this still happens to this day. If they jump on me in bed and they land in the wrong spot, it's like, oh, get off me. And that's kind of the feeling when you have all of that coming together on those two plates and trying to be able to, as I'm doing it right here, trying to be able to like manipulate your body so they can get the full view. So if you have a lot, I mean, it's not. It's not painful. It's not comfortable. I mean, you just deal with it. It's nothing to be scared of, though. I didn't. I didn't no, think of that. No, I will say this though. I'm kind of a private person, and I think that's why I kind of dreaded to go because I you didn't, didn't want to whip your boob out. No, I didn't <laughs> want to be embarrassed your smashed and all on that a plate. Stuff. Yeah, no, okay. that's just not me. <laughs> but then you think of the alternative. You know, right? And you suck it up and you go because it's the right thing to do. You gotta go. I like what Stacy does because it's your birthday in October. Yes, October is my birthday month, and you know what? I just ask every year. I ask you to give me a birthday present, and that is to get your mammogram. Because honestly, I mean, we've learned through the years, and I hope we're getting that message out that it can save your life. It literally can save your life, and there's no reason to let it go. Don't let fear get you. So. I'll ask you, moms, ladies, bug other women in your life to just make sure you get your mammogram. It, you know, you don't have to do it this month, but you do need to at least call and get yourself scheduled. Yeah. Um, and we'll put a link up because mm-hmm. I know for us, we've got places that make it a little easier for you. But if you're out of state, if you're in a different area of Ohio, um, you can find a resource to get your mammogram. 
It is no secret that the heroin epidemic is not going away anytime soon. It is a huge problem, not just here in Ohio, but really across the entire nation. But we have a little bit of help and a little bit of insight here today. A mom who felt like she was recovering along with her son is in studio today because he was addicted to pain pills and it became a serious problem, so serious that she wrote a book about it. Annie Highwater is who we're introducing you today, and she wrote the book called Unhooked. Hi, Annie. Hi, good morning. Good morning. So you've been through a lot, and we had a chance to kind of look at some, a preview some of the book and some of the notes from it as well. And, you know, one thing, as Mindy kind of touched on, this is a problem we are seeing everywhere, and the conversation needs to grow. So that's what we're hoping to do today. When you share your story, um, what are you sharing, and why did you decide to share it? Well, I agree with that. And that's why I shared the story, because when I was going through it, I really felt alone and isolated. And you do tend to isolate anyway, because it's a terrifying situation. And there's a lot of embarrassment and fear and situations like that. I didn't have a lot of people to turn to, to kind of guide me through it, what to do, what not to do, because I certainly did a lot of things wrong and got a little crazy with the situation, as the book details. So I just basically wanted to put it out there so People wouldn't have to feel maybe as afraid, ashamed, and alone as I felt in the midst of it and have a place to turn to unburden and see that somebody else carried their burden and kind of reached triumph at the end of it. So tell us what exactly happened with your son. Well, when he was about 17 years old, I believe he had had a jaw injury in football and then right after some dental work. And he'd had a prescription given to him for narcotic Percocet, which is pretty powerful. And Mm -hmm. I had told the doctor I'd I'd had knowledge of prescription abuse from family situations. My mother had had an injury years before and become dependent kind of innocently enough, but it's been a lifelong problem. So I told the doctor I didn't think that it warranted the narcotic prescription, but they gave it to him anyway. And we went on ahead with it. And then by the time he got the next one, it was within a few weeks he was dependent. That fast? That fast. Well, it seems to follow a pattern that I've read. It begins with first use, continued use, tolerance, then you become dependent and then addicted. So if you can kind of pull out when you get to the point of tolerance, you're not going to maybe struggle all the way through dependency and full-blown addiction. And we went within weeks into full-blown addiction. Wow. And I have to tell you, um, I have been on painkillers. It wasn't the same one, but I experienced it. I did not continue on, but I remember thinking to myself, I want to continue. So as an adult... I remember saying, I've got to stop. I mean, it was that fast right. as well. I, it frightened me because I thought, they're right. There's something about it. And you're almost afraid to go off of it. And I so felt like I wanted to continue. So I get that. And especially with a young person. Right. So that quickly, what do you do? Um, well, I'd had knowledge, so I knew I had to become more knowledgeable. So I kind of started reaching out and what I call stalking of a pharmacist down the street. <laughs> I... Um, He was a friend, so I saw him at a birthday party and just grilled him with questions. And I have a friend that works in the court system. She counsels families that with drug and alcohol abuse problems and even removes kids or returns them. So I just leaned on her and I Googled everything really in simple terms. Sometimes am I being manipulated? Is this an addiction? Am I crazy? You know, things like that. And I just I gorged on information for how to handle it. I'd watched Intervention. That was pretty popular by then. So I knew I wasn't his enabler and I had to handle it right. So you're a success story. Unfortunately, there are not a lot of success stories because people are dying from this every day. And the scariest thing about it for me as a mom, it's happening to everyday great kids that you would never expect to become addicted to this. 
but it happens so simply through a pain pill and it just grows. But do you look at yourself and your son and think, wow, we recovered? How did you recover? Um, it was a learning process. So, and you certainly have the sober understanding that it could happen again. We could go down that rabbit hole again. But it was basically the ebb and flow of learning as we went. And he had to choose recovery and I had to handle it appropriately, things like that. So we just kind of learned as we went. And he didn't make that transition to heroin. You were sharing that with us as well, correct? Well, he didn't He didn't become an IV user and he wasn't a regular heroin user. He had bought it a couple of, well, I read all of his t- social media. So I knew his processes. Mm-hmm. I was in his business. So he had smoked it a few times and got his hands on it, but he really preferred the route of pills. And that was a little more accessible to him at the time. When oh, you asked scary. him to <laughs> stop or to get it down that recovery road, that pathway, was he defiant? Um, he was really genius manipulative. So he would deny that there was even an addiction. And then sometimes it, it can become a situation where you almost have an FBI agent and a bank robber in the family. So I'm just trying to investigate and be a detective and catch him. And then he was convincing other family nothing was wrong. And it was so new to the culture that people weren't really talking about this openly. So it was kind of a private fight we were having. And he defied that. So I had to keep picking myself back up and kind of becoming rails and consequences to force him forward into decisions. So what was the turning point? What was the point where he chose recovery? How did you get there? The first time he chose recovery was because consequences forced it. And that's never a great motive because they go begrudgingly. But for me, it was like, get him there, get him out of this situation, get him away, whether no matter where it is. And then the final time he did, because he'd relapsed a couple of times after that, and we had this just round and round cycle with him with the up and down and then hope again and he would do well and then we would bottom out and the final time I just kind of took my hands off it I'd done so many crazy things in the midst of it with him and followed him into bad neighborhoods and marched up on the porches and knocked on the door and threatened crazy things to these you know not intimidated people that I was going to expose them and just craziness that's not safe and you shouldn't do and we'd been through all these cycles and I was so exhausted and been through so much that I finally said I just can't do this with you anymore and he at this point had got to where he everyone had pretty much said shut him out he's kind of like a hot potato he was sleeping in a dugout where he hit home runs and grand slams all his life and i couldn't see it so i went out of town intentionally and i know he's kind of a diva about comfort so i knew it wouldn't last long we were all kind of just trying to box him out into consequences so he went to the library and got on the computer and booked a flight to California himself with what he'd had left, researched a treatment center and took off and been there ever since. Wow. And, you know, just listening to you speak and everything that you did to help your son, you know, as moms and as parents, we do whatever we can to help our kids. I, wow, I'm amazed at everything. I'm looking at you. You're not some big, strong, powerful, kick somebody's butt woman. And you're on these porches. Because but you'd the, scare me because but, of your passion. <laughs> no, I yes, mean that. Well, it's no. like she because of the love car yes. of your son. Right, right. because right. of the love and passion mm-hmm. for your son, you right. went to the extreme, and man, that is what it took. Right. So the book, Unhooked, do you walk everybody through the beginning to the end phases? Yes. Um, the background and sort of why I had knowledge and why I wanted to gain knowledge even before this started, certain situations in your life can kind of prepare you for the big battles or the big challenges. So I'd had a background that was systematically preparing me without me really realizing it. And it was all helpful by the time we got to this point because I'd had all this knowledge and experience and this kind of moxie in me to fight this battle with him. So 
it goes from beginning to end of that and where we are in recovery now. Even some of the shame points, because as a mom, you know, there were those situations where it's socially it was uncomfortable when somebody was like, you know, my son's an astronaut now. And, right. you know, we're making cookware for our Christmas card. How are you? And I would think, well, I'm trying to eject from this situation quickly. Well, Annie, any parent that's going through this right now with their child, and there are so many out there. And like you said, it's an embarrassing time. A lot of people don't want to admit that. Right. But they are going through it. What is the one thing you would tell them more than anything that they should know? Um, Don't give up hope. As long as there's breath, there's hope. And just get informed. Be informed. And if you're not going through it, just be kind. Because you really don't know when you cross paths with somebody what they're navigating what they're managing and going through you really don't know so just get as informed as as possible hold on to hope because it's possible to recover it's possible for the whole family to recover when can people get the book and where um you can pre-order it now from amazon it's got a red cover with little pink boxing gloves it says unhooked (laughs) and it's official on kindle the 25th and it will be out in print on shelves soon after okay fantastic annie highwater thank you so much for coming in and talking with us thank you So we're going to go kind of high level on this, given the fact that we talked to Annie. We also wanted to bring in someone who is starting a greater conversation across the state of Ohio, much like conversations are being started across the country. So Sarah Smith, the director of Start Talking here in Ohio, is with us today. Sarah, thank you for coming in to kind of give us the larger picture of what we can do as parents and as families to try to address this situation. Tell us a little bit about Start Talking and what you're doing. Well, thanks so much for having me today. Start Talking is really Ohio's statewide drug prevention campaign that encourages conversations with our boys and girls about the importance of being drug-free. And we know that by simply having these conversations with them as parents, we can decrease the likelihood that they'll ever go down that path. And national research has actually shown us that kids are up to 50% less likely to ever start using drugs if parents have this conversation with them early and often in life. Okay, you say early and often Mm because we're hearing younger and younger kids. So when are you starting this conversation? When should this talk begin? Well, a lot of folks want to have this conversation in high school with their high school age students, and that is far too late. Yeah. Far too late. Um, Middle school age is a key age, but actually elementary age students are not too young to hear this message as well. Which I think that's something that's been so surprising to me when I was at a town hall having to do specifically with heroin and opioid use in the last couple of weeks. And I was one of the uh, former addicts that I was talking to said he started in fifth grade. In fifth grade, he started using. And I think all of these moms that were there and friends of mine who have fifth graders, their eyes just got about this wide because... We should have been having this conversation a couple years before that. So to hear you say that might sound crazy, but it's so true. It is. And of course, it's a different conversation that you're having with a five-year-old versus Mm -hmm. a 17-year-old. But you still can have an appropriate conversation, set the expectations, be clear and consistent at that young age, and really just focus on repetition throughout their childhood. I think the one thing that parents have to be um, so aware of is not to be naive. My son's Fourteen. I'll just turn fifteen. My daughter's about to turn fourteen. Um, I think they're great kids. They're very athletic. They're very social. I could never see them being a drug addict. But those are the families that it happens to all the time because you think, oh no, not my kid. Mm-hmm. Yet it's happening all the time because they do get addicted, addicted to pain pills and things like that. So if you think that it can't happen to you, it can. And with that, you know, Sarah. What's what is that specific conversation we should be having with a fourth grader? I mean, t- to be very specific, I get that. But but how do we approach it? How do we talk about it? I don't think I would begin to know how to talk about it. And I have a first grader and I'm going to have to have this conversation soon. 
And it's something that may not be easy for every parent. And, and that's where Start Talking can really help. On our website, we have information that as an adult, you can use to build your awareness and educate yourself, which really is step one. You have to understand the problem. And step two is getting the tips and the suggestions for, for the conversation. And so we offer all of that free on our site. And parents can find ongoing support to, to foster the conversation. But with the young children, for example, um, one thing you would want to be talking to them about is, for example, what is a medication? Um, when is it okay to take a medication? Who can give it to you? That type of thing. You don't need to dis- discuss the specific drugs with them, but to build that understanding at a young age. Because a lot of parents, even those who are having conversations with their children, don't necessarily think to include the prescription drugs or even the over-the-counter drugs, which are just as important. And we need to be very clear with them at a young age that those can only be taken as prescribed, as directed by It's interesting you said that. I have a 10-year-old, and we just had this conversation. My mom is going through cancer and um, treatments, and we had a conversation about that because my mom was being really careful about her pain medication. And my daughter wanted to know why, and I explained that to her. And we've been having these conversations. I don't think she was too young since she was five or six. Um, And you know your own kids, you know how to approach that. But I feel like in my mind, for me, I thought as a mom, it would be younger to start it now than to try to have that conversation. That scares me more. To start to have a conversation with a teenager, I think that's incredibly difficult. So I just said to myself, who's harder to talk to? A younger one when they're actually listening to you or a teenager that's just going to blow you off or say, no, everything's fine and maybe not be honest. And so we started there and I think she gets it. I mean, I think at least she's starting to understand what we're saying to her. And it doesn't have to be a heavy lift for parents. This can be something that you discuss in the car on the way home from school or a quick conversation around the dinner table or maybe you're on you know, vacation next summer. It, 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 this can be a quick conversation that they're having. It doesn't have to be a very mm-hmm. in-depth. On right. One. I think the one thing we should hit on, too, um, what are the big warning signs? If parents notice right away their kid's attitude has changed, they're hanging around different friends, perhaps they're dressing differently, what are the common things that parents really need to look out for? There's a variety of signs and symptoms uh, related to drug abuse, and we have a nice little video on our website that parents can watch, and it's going to show them some of the warning signs, some things like appetite changes, uh, lack of sleep. These things that we maybe would attribute with adolescents and just growing up might not be so. Mm. And so this video I referenced on our site can also give parents tips on how to safeguard their home as far as disposing of medications when they're no longer in use and making sure they're monitored and secured when, when they're in the home. Mindy, one of the things that I kind of was shocked about, too, and I I had a moment, is that at school how this happens. There was a parent that shared of an addict a couple weeks ago putting pills inside one of those mechanical pencils. What? And that's how they get them to school. Wow. Um, and, and when I heard that, and you think about those mechanical pencils that you use in algebra, geometry, whatever, and that's... No wonder people at school don't know this is happening because how is a teacher supposed to check every single mechanical pencil if you have a problem going on at your school? That was shocking. That was shocking to me. Why don't you give the information of where people can go online and get all this information whenever they want it? Sure. Our website is starttalking.ohio.gov, and there's a ton of tools on there. We know moms specifically wear many hats these days, and whether it's in your career or driving your kid home from practice, again, volunteering at your church, there's so many opportunities that they have to have these conversations and, and to even share them with their community. So there's tools on there for teachers as well, for community leaders, even faith leaders.
Well, tis the season for coughs and colds and all that, and I have to be the guilty one because I started it at my house. Uh-oh. Had when- a cough. Still kind of lingering a little bit. And I wasn't sure what was sitting on this countertop actually a few minutes ago. I'm glad that it was hand sanitizer and not something else. Well, she did sneeze. That's all I'm going to say. Right. It was hand sanitizer. Thank you very much. (laughs) Anyway, the coughs have begun in our house. And so out of curiosity, I called Dr. Fullup at Mid-Ohio Pediatrics. I said, hey, what is the best over-the-counter medication for coughs? You know what? They don't really recommend over-the-counter. They said there's really not a good over-the-counter recommend- recommendation. They instead go with nasal irrigation rinses. Also, they suggest honey if a child is over a year old. And then I said, well, when's the best time to go see your doctor? You know, when do you know if it's just mm-hmm. a cough or whatever? They said if a cough is keeping your child up all night or they appear to be panting or belly breathing or if they have a fever longer than three days, that's when you go and see your pediatrician. Mid-Ohio Pediatrics and Adolescents, taking on new patients all the time if you're interested. They're great doctors over there, a team of nine of them. Um, give them a call at 614-899-0000. Okay, so we talked about this before, making that transition to cooler weather and warmer clothing. But you know what? It's been out at the pumpkin patches right now. If you're in Ohio, it's gorgeous. And once upon a child can take care of all of your needs as far as getting the kiddos into warmer clothes, boots, um, you know. I have needs. You have needs. I have needs. I have jean and khaki needs right Uh, now. I took inventory of Christian and Logan's stuff the other day, and Christian has no pants. Well, I mean, he's wearing pants, but you know what I mean. He has no pants Well, they grow out of them so fast, so save yourself some money. Take all of your used clothing as well. They take gently used clothing, and they can give you some cash for that. Uh, It's a great resource, I think, for parents just to help save some money and use it to take a hayride or buy some pumpkins or something fun like that or yourself a pumpkin spice latte. (laughs) And they've got lots of locations. You can check it out. Once Upon a Child... Dot com. I think it's safe to say that a lot of us are obsessed with our skin. I mean, how many women do you know who the products will remain nameless, buying into skincare companies, trying to find kind of that magic solution that we can get on our faces, right? To be able to get that fountain of youth. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, if you Goodbye talk to your wrinkles. friends, they either sell it, you know, or they're using it. Well, there's some things that you can do that are going to really have impact, and you're not going to question whether it's going to work or not. And it happens right away. And it does. It happens right away. So I don't know if you've, any of you have been really thinking about maybe things you could do to help when it comes to maybe those crow's feet or other areas, maybe you have some wrinkles showing up in some places some. and you just like to smooth them out a little bit. Some. Well, think have about- Have you seen me lately? Stop it. <laughs> think about advanced aesthetic and laser surgery. Dr. McMahon has really received accolades for the work that he's able to do. Give them a call at 614-459-0060 and ask about what they might be able to do for you. Or at least a consultation. I hear, seriously, he is one of the best, if not the best, in plastic surgery in Central So get some expert answers and give them a call. Again, that is 614-459-0060. Wow, really some good stuff. And I know we started with mammograms. Of course, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We're going to talk more next week about some of the research and events coming up for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. can't believe how far research has come. I know. And you will be amazed, too, when you hear. So we'll get you all caught up, and we'll have some fun with you as well. Thank you so much for joining us for MomCast. 
And please, the best way you can share is to tell all your friends. It <laughs> truly is. Yes. Tell them about it. Share it on social media. And we will talk to you next week.